Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In terms of Camara, you've only gotten 24 carries, five receptions, no touchdowns out of arguably your most important offensive player, John. So I'm not trying to stir something out of thin air here, but is there any larger issue brewing here with Camara? So much more coming up on that in the return of our questions of the week segment just a little bit later in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Saints Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Uh, Just a quick reminder right off the top here that you can support us by subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your stuff, including Apple or Spotify. We appreciate you just search for the Saints Wire. We should pop right up. I'm Ryan O'Leary here, joined by John Sigler of USA Today's Saints Wire. John, how are you doing this week, my man? Does this football team have you panicking yet? How are you doing? Uh, panicking isn't the word for me. I mean, business is booming, you know, the, the, whether the Saints are doing well always, or doing always. poorly. We, we, we get, get a lot of eyes over here, and I'm just trying to stay on top of everything, uh, keep, keep on track of the, of the news and the roster moves and everything as it happens. So uh, we're, we're uh, in, already in midseason form here at Saints Wire. Yeah, John, using an A-B term, huh? Antonio Brown, business is booming, <laughs> right? I caught that. I caught that. Yeah. I can't get that past me. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to start this week with um, a story that you know a lot of people are talking about around the Saints. It, it revolves around Latavius Murray. Uh, now, obviously, that happened way back on Monday, so we don't want to get too far into the weeds here. But basically, days after Murray travels to London with the Saints and gets elevated, not signed, that's the key term that you were writing about on Saints, where he got elevated to the active roster with Alvin Kamara being out. He leads the team in rushing with 11 carries, 57 yards and a touchdown. John, he ends up being their highest graded player on PFF, if you care about that kind of thing. Uh, so Latavius Murray seems like a good little piece that, that you've had on your practice squad. And he's a productive player when, when a guy like Alvin Kamara can't play. But the Broncos ended up poaching him off the practice squad. And as you were writing about that, you kind of brought the, you pro- kind of brought to life the bigger issue here, which is the attention to detail in the Dennis Allen era has just not been up to par, right? It just has not been good through these first four weeks and maybe even into the offseason a little bit. We're not off to the greatest start in this era, and the attention to detail is kind of at the top of the uh, concern level right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the season is not over because uh, Latavius Murray signed with the Broncos instead of hanging around with the Saints. Like, that, that, that's not the problem here. Um, the issue to me is that the Saints could have avoided – they could have avoided this entire situation – just by signing him to the roster in the first place. When, when it, now, I'm saying I, I know that I'm saying this with the the benefits of hindsight here. Um, you know, Murray he didn't get so much as an invitation to training camp around the entire league. Uh, he he didn't get a single workout for nine months. Um, the, the, as, as far as the NFL was concerned, he was done with football until he hit the field for the Saints on Sunday and and, play, and ran really well. The, the Saints elevated him from the practice squad uh, for the game with the Vikings on Saturday night. Uh, Sunday morning, Tony Jones Jr., the backup running back on the 53, was a healthy and active. Um, that, the, the decision on Saturday night to elevate Murray tells me that they had already made the decision that he's higher than um, Jones on the depth chart. 
He's going to be playing on Sunday, and that, that's the more valuable player to them. So my question is, why not just flip those roles then? Like, why not waive Jones, sign Murray, and then get, and if Jones passes waivers, and I'm sure he will, he's done it before, uh, then he goes on the, pra- on the practice squad. So you just reverse those, those two spots. And that's not what they did. Now, I don't know if they were just thinking that Murray wouldn't play well enough to get much attention uh, from other teams on, on Sunday, or if they were thinking like to, to kind of bench some pennies here and keep him on a practice squad salary versus the veteran minimum he'd be getting on the roster. I, I don't know. Uh, but whatever it comes down to, that that's kind of an attention to detail issue. Uh, that that's been a real problem for the Saints. You know, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL in turnover differential. Uh, they're fumbling constantly. They're committing tons of penalties. And look, I I know that Saints fans are very sensitive to that uh, with with the officiating. Um, you're, there are going to be questionable calls against the Saints. That's just that's just how how it is these days. No doubt. Uh, but you can you can clean up a lot of those things and in practice and kind of eliminate those self-inflicted wounds where you've got a backup left guard who, you know, is jumpy, gets a lot of false starts. Uh, that's Calvin Throckmorton. He was, he was fouled twice for false starts uh, on Sunday. He had four of those penalties last year. You know, that's a problem for him. And you know that Paulson Adebo is prone to holding and uh, pass interference fouls and get, get, getting too handsy with his coverage. That was a problem for him last year, too. He led the defense in penalties last year for that, and he was fouled twice uh, for holding in this game uh, and get, get, gave the Vikings two free first downs. And these are issues that a coaching staff with, with an eye for de- or even a head coach who's really supervising all this uh, would be looking out for addressing and cleaning up when they have the opportunity. And we just haven't seen any changes there from the Saints. Every game has felt the same where the offense is kind of slow and sloppy to start the game. The defense holds up for a while. And then if the opposing team's quarterback is, is good enough, then they fold in, in the second half. And that that's really been the story of the season so far. And th- this whole deal with Murray, like I'm not going to sit here and say this didn't happen with Sean Payton because it absolutely did. Uh, a great example is Cameron Brait, who is, is he's been a really good uh, like number two tight end for the, for the Buccaneers for five or six, seven years now. And the Saints had him on their practice squad at one point, and they just let him go. They, they, they just released him from his contract, didn't re-up him, just never thought about him again until he's catching, I think he had like 40 first down receptions uh, for the Bucks the year before they signed Gronkowski. And that's someone that Sean Payton has talked about, like, man, that, that's one that got away from us. So I'm not going to say that he wouldn't have let Latavius Murray go in, in the same way the Saints did here, or he wouldn't have prevented Murray from going, because the Saints did make an offer to Murray to, to sign him to the 53 after the game, but it happened at the same time as the Broncos, and the Broncos frankly made him a better offer, where he's not going to be competing with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram for touches. Instead, he's probably going to be their number one running back in the next week or two. So these things happened with Sean Payton here, but at least his teams were, were well coached and didn't hurt themselves with fumbles every week and self-inflicted penalties every week, and they were winning football games. And so it's just one more um, mark in the, the loss column, essentially, for the Saints in a season that's been full of these, where, where it's procedural fouls, it's fools, it's lax ball security, it's um, p- uh, poor clock management on offense, wh- whatever it may be. Like, the, the, Saints, the, the Saints just seem to keep hurting themselves on and off the field. Yeah, and it, and it is interesting that they did uh, try to keep Murray <laughs> in the last hour, right, and make him an offer. It's almost like you know, almost admitting it's almost like a sign that they knew they were wrong, John, and tried to like reverse it. But you can't, 
like, damage control. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And you, but you can't, you can't fault Murray for wanting to go to Denver, right? Javante Williams out for the year. Fumble mm-hmm. King Melvin Gordon is now the number one guy. And the yeah. other, the only other guy to compete with is Mike Boone. Who's really a special teamer. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean, you, you can't blame him for going to Denver. Um, not a bit. Yeah. And so it's, it's, as you pointed out, these routine personnel moves uh, just haven't worked out so far. And I thought one interesting thing you highlighted in your article was that you know, there's a, a very real possibility that the saints won't get any sort of compensation either for Marcus Williams and Toronto Armstead leaving a free agency. Usually you would get a comp pick for that. Right. Uh, but you know, when you make corresponding moves in free agency, like signing Marcus may or <laughs> bringing in Andy Dalton, those can sometimes negate the comp picks, right? And so, you know, again, not that that would be perfect under Sean Payton either, but it did seem like in the latter years of Payton that they always seemed to get their comp picks. You know, they did. Uh, but that was a really interesting point that maybe, I don't know if I personally always understand the, the formula, John, but Marcus Williams and Teron Armstead, if they don't get comp picks for those guys, that, that feels like kind of a blunder. I don't know. Those are two really, really good players. Yeah, nobody understands the formula. Um, e- even like uh, the, the the closest, the person who has the best understanding of it is a uh, Nick Court with OverTheCap.com. He does really great work in kind of projecting those picks year in and year out and, and making the best educated guess. And even he was wrong last year. He said he predicted the Saints would get fourth rounder for Trey Hendrickson and a sixth for who was it? Sheldon Rankins last year, and they ended up getting like a third. Um, for Hendrickson and no pick for Rankins at all. Um, so which is fine. You know, we're getting a better pick in, a, in, in an earlier round, even if you would like to have multiple at bat opportunities there. That's fine, whatever. Um, but the issue here again, it, it kind, of, kind of comes down to timing. Like, I'm not going to hate on the Saints for signing Marcus May when they did because he has been a very important player for them on defense early this season. Um, something we'll talk about in a bit is their um, lack of adjustments in the secondary um, in this Vikings game. Uh, they were without uh, Marcus May because of a rib injury, and I think that's where they were missing him is because he's who they would normally be leaning on in making adjustments like that and running different coverages, and he, he was unavailable. So th- that's not that's not too bad to me. Um, the Andy Dalton thing, I'll, I'll be confused about that until the day that I die, man. Like, I, I didn't realize <laughs> that there was just this outpouring of interest for Andy Dalton. But because they signed him when they did, uh, he – probably is going to factor into the formula and that one year, $3 million contract for Dalton is going to cancel out the, oh gosh, the four year, 14 million a year or whatever it was uh, that, that Marcus Williams got from the Ravens. And so instead of getting a third round pick next year, the saints get nothing. And that really hurts a team that's already without their first rounder next season, their second rounder the year after that um, they're already shorthanded. And they're just really not considering these things and making these roster moves. Now that what, like I said earlier, that was a problem with, with Sean Payton as well, where he, they just didn't, they just didn't value those picks the way other, other teams did. And that that just wasn't really a consideration in free agency. It it did change recently with them waiting to sign, you know, Jameis Winston after comp pick deadline, um, making, making moves to be more mindful of that and kind of, kind of help themselves where they could. But when you're not doing that, and when you're putting out a product that's sloppy and prone to mistakes on the field, and you are losing good players uh, from 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 the practice squad, you know you're very quickly running out of positives about this team and the way it's being managed and the way it's being coached and the way the front office is operating. And it's like, where is the silver lining exactly? If we're not doing well on the field or away from it. Um, 
you know, what, 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 why should fans feel positive about the direction this team is going? Such good insight from from you there, John. And, uh, you know, speaking of Mickey Loomis, I don't want to beat a dead horse. This is something I've just been laughing, laughing to myself about. I know Mickey Loomis does not read the Saints Wire, John, uh, based on uh, an, an article that Dylan Sanders had in his studs and duds that came out right after the game. Uh, Dylan wrote, Latavius Murray rejoined the team and was a breath of fresh air that the Saints running game has been needing. Big physical running style has been missed very much. It's clear to me that he should stay on the active roster, no matter the health of Alvin Kamara. A-plus midseason signing by this coaching staff. Mickey Loomis <laughs> does not read the Saints wire. That's that's one one thing I could take to the bank, John. Yeah, yeah, man. Look, look Dylan did a great job summarizing that game, highlighting some uh, peak performers for us. Gosh, you, you just kind of <laughs> <laughs> all you can do all you can do is shake your head and laugh, you know, with, with the way it turns out. I mean, th- that's what he was doing in, in our um, our, our, our uh, staff group chat. He was just doing doing his best to laugh, kind of laugh through the pain there. Yeah, one hundred percent. Not that's not a knock on Dylan at all. It's just like it, it's just amazing that that player was gone less than twenty four hours later. It's just yeah. it's just wild. That's how football works, though. So, yeah, coming up next, it's the return of one of my favorite segments that we've done in the past, questions of the week. I'm going to try to pull some hot takes out of John. We'll do that coming up next. But first, our friends over at thehuddle.com have fantasy plays of the week. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. The first month of the fantasy football season is now behind us. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for week number five. Quarterback Derek Carr, Las Vegas Raiders at Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders put their backs against the wall with an 0-3 start, and if they have any chance of keeping in the mix for the AFC West, it begins with beating Kansas City on Monday night. The Chiefs have allowed 2.5 touchdown passes per game thus far, which is tied for the most in football. Only one in 175 attempts has been intercepted, and just four teams have given up more yards through the air to the position. This matchup is 23.4% easier than the league average, and Carr has the weapons to get the job done. Running back Ramondre Stevenson versus the Detroit Lions. This matchup is tremendous for success on the ground, and the Patriots are in line to lean heavily on the rushing attack if quarterback Bailey Zappi ends up starting. Detroit is granted a rushing score every 11 attempts, which is the highest frequency by more than five carries. Eight times a running back has carried the rock into the end zone, and the 116.8 ground yards per game sits as the sixth highest figure in football. Stevenson makes for a quality start in any fantasy setting. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Devin DuVernay versus the Cincinnati Bengals. He was targeted a season high five times last week, catching four for 51, but he failed to score a touchdown for the first time in 2022 if you include his special teams TD in the mix. He has at least 6.2 PPR points in each game, and that's if you remove the touchdown, and the vertical threat is worthy of a gamble in deep leagues. The Bengals have haven't given up much to receivers in 2022, but the Ravens are one of the most explosive offenses and five different receivers have posted at least 12 PPR points against the Bengals this season. Tight end Tyler Conklin, New York Jets versus Miami Dolphins. The big question surrounding Conklin entering week four was what kind of involvement would he see with Zach Wilson returning to the lineup? All things considered, the former Viking was targeted enough to keep him relevant. His five looks produced three catches for 52 yards. Not exactly what you want to see, but it's not like he went from eight looks per game under Joe Flacco down to two. One aspect worth noting is the yards per reception went up including the average depth of target going from 2.8 to 8 under Wilson. More importantly, Miami has surrendered crazy volume to tight ends in 2022, ranking as the easiest opponent for catches and number three for yardage generated. While only one in every 15 completions has found the end zone, there's plenty of PPR upside to chase here. For more award-winning tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. 
That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, the return of our questions of the week segment. I, I like to bring this back every now and then, John. Keep you on your toes. Throw some hot questions at you. Pull out some hot takes. Are you ready for this? Let's go. Let, okay. let, let's uh, fire up the grill. Let's, let's get going. <laughs> man, I would, fire, I would fire up the grill with you anytime, man. I know you can cook. <laughs> I know you can cook. Uh, so last week, we, when we spoke, you know, we speak on Wednesdays. We thought Jameis was going to play. That was kind of the word out of London, right? Out of the pressers in London. It sounded like, uh, you know, Andy Dalton was taking first team reps, but Jameis would start. Obviously, Andy Dalton ends up starting this game. And aside from, you know, a strip sack late in the first half at, at your own 25, that was kind of annoying. He was pretty good, right? He led the Saints to three touchdown drives of nine plays or more. He had that clutch throw to Chris Olave that gave Will Lutz a chance at the end of the game. Just great play by those two players. Uh, to give Will Lutz a chance, and then obviously the double doink. Uh, but Dalton's passer rating was 108.6. Overall, he was pretty good, right? So given everything we've been talking about in previous podcasts about Jameis and his injuries and just his play flat out not being good enough, probably because of the injuries, uh, did you see enough from Andy Dalton, John, to want to see more? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he, I think the offense ran much smoother with Andy Dalton under center, and that makes sense when you consider what this offense has been built to do for the last, gosh, almost 20 years. Um it's really predicated on these quick passes, very, very decisive, making your reads quickly and getting the ball out quickly, uh, t- taking the six or seven, eight, eight yards that the offense, that the defense is uh, yielding to you to prevent a big play. And that's something that Andy Dalton is built, is, is kind of built to do like that, that, that. That's what he did well with the Cowboys and the Bears in recent years. And that's what he did, he did well with the Saints as well. He did have some really ugly moments, uh, that particularly uh, there before halftime. He fumbled in, in New Orleans' own territory in a two-minute drill. Um, he had a pass that really <laughs> should have been intercepted. The defender j- just uh, dropped dropped the, the pass um, in a really uh, inopportune moment. Um, so I'm not saying he was perfect. I'm not saying he's a better quarterback than Jameis Winston. You, you can look at their resumes and come away with that. What we did see is that the offense was more efficient and more effective uh, with Dalton under center. And my hope here is that he, he will get some more action, uh, hopefully with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas in the lineup alongside him. And hopefully Jameis Winston can learn from that and see like, okay, this is how the offense is supposed to function this year. Like this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to check it down to the tight ends, keep, keep them involved, take the easy yards when they're available. Don't press and try and, and try and make a big play, you know, just for your the sake of it. Um, in short, yeah, I, I thought that Dalton did well enough. I would be totally fine with him uh, con- continuing to um, lead the offense another week or so while Jameis continues to heal up. I'm not ready to say that they need to make a permanent change, and Dennis Allen isn't going to say that either. Well, you mentioned John. Um, it would be nice to see what it looks like with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas which is a nice segue into question number two, because Alvin Kamara was, yeah, he was on the injury report, but we never even considered him doubtful for this game, right? He was considered questionable. I mean, he had returned the week prior against the Panthers, right? So 
We always joke that something crazy is going to happen right before kickoff with the Saints. It's either some type of breaking news or something. Just There's always something in the morning. And we joked about how you'd have to get up extra early, John, and be prepared because it's going to be coming because of that kickoff. It was going to be coming at what? Your time, what, 7 a.m., whatever it was. Like He was going to be coming up way early. Yeah, it was 8.30 on the dot. Um, or no, 8 o'clock. Wait, what, what, gosh, what was it? It was like 8.30 on the dot, and then the inactive support came out at 7 a.m., um, so it, it, it was not, not the, uh, <laughs> easy, quiet morning we, we kind of anticipated, but that, that, that's okay. You know, it's good. It's good to just, uh, you know, roll out of bed and uh, get, get moving quickly. <laughs> roll out of bed and get right to work, John. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the Camara news dropping right before kickoff when Saints fans are still swallowing their coffee, right? They're still trying to get their coffee down and now we're dealing <laughs> Dude, with I this. didn't even have time. Like <laughs> I was still brewing mine when, when that news came out. I, I had to leave my pour over in the kitchen and r- rush to my office. And <laughs> it's unbelievable. So now, so now it's, we're going up against the Vikings in London without QB one, RB one and wide receiver one. Not great. So the Saints in terms of Camara, you've only gotten 24 carries five receptions, no touchdowns out of arguably your most important offensive player, John. So I'm not trying to stir something out of thin air here, but is there any larger issue brewing here with Kamara or, uh, or what do you think? You know, the lack of production, I mean, we're talking about the offense struggling and not having Kamara for two of these games and, and just not having him be himself through these first four weeks has been obviously part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, it's been difficult. Um, it wasn't as big of an issue um, when with Jameis Winston at quarterback because he's just never really had that uh, connection with Kamara um, as a receiver. He he's all he has always struggled to get the ball to Kamara with accuracy. That's something I was critical of him early in the season for. Now with Dalton, I, I thought this was going to be a, a big uh, Alvin Kamara game because Andy Dalton is someone who can and will. Uh, seek out that matchup. L- look, look for Kamara matched up on a linebacker. Um, g- give him those opportunities to make a play after the catch. So whenever he was, you know, surprisingly unable to, to play on Sunday, uh, that really threw a wrench in the plans. And I, 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 I kind of feel like it caught the Saints by surprise too. J- j- just c- kind of trying to trying to read the tea leaves here. So that that was a bit of a surprise. But you know, hopefully he'll heal up. I know he returned to practice on Wednesday, but he practiced last week too. So we just got to keep uh, monitoring his status, his, uh, his health with that rib injury, and ho- hope that it passes sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We could see uh, eight to ten catches for Alvin Kamara with Andy Dalton. He, he, Andy Dalton will check it down like the best of them, John. Don't, don't put it past yeah. him. Don't put it past him. All right, question number three. While there were you know, some bright spots on defense for sure, right? Demario Davis, nine tackles in a sack. He was all over the place. Uh you got a lot of pressure in this game, right? We, we've been talking about that, how they've gone up against some tough quarterbacks to pressure like Marcus Mariota and Tom Brady. Uh, but, I mean, Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan were awesome in this game. Ten combined pressures on Kirk Cousins. However, Marshawn Lattimore kind of got cooked, didn't he, John, right? Yeah, we, yes. we, we weren't too worried about that matchup because of the past, but he got cooked by Justin Jefferson. The Vikings kept going to Jefferson. They piled up 150 yards and a touchdown going to him. And that 40-yard catch in the final two minutes was just uh, a killer. That was just a killer play. And the Saints ultimately could not rebound from, although they came close and they gave Will Lutz a chance, it was just, that was a killer. So here's the question. Did Dennis Allen make a blunder by leaving Lattimore on that island, I guess you could say, right? He didn't really adjust the coverage to give him a ton of help on Jefferson. It was a lot of mano e mano. It was, it was fun to watch. Those are two great players going head-to-head, but Jefferson got the better of it. Did Dennis Allen make a mistake there not adjusting? 
I think he was kind of stubborn. I, I don't know that it's a, it's a mistake because he has seen Lattimore win those battles before. But whenever you're in such a high leverage situation at the end of the game and you have seen Jefferson getting the better of Lattimore on the afternoon, I, I think you do need to make make some adjustments, tweak some things, shade some safety help over to his side of the field. Uh, you, you've got to do something. You can't just leave him out there to dry. Now, at the same time, I understand not doing it because the Saints were really shorthanded at that point in the game. They, they went into this game without Marcus, who would normally be the guy shading over to help uh, Lattimore in, in that bracketed coverage uh, sometimes and, and to, to run their too, too high safety uh, defense on, on the majority of snaps. He's, he was out with an injury. During the game, his backup, P.J. Williams, suffered a thigh injury that took him out. And so at, the, at that point, your, your, your options are Daniel Sorensen and J.T. Gray, who are both you know uh, special team players only here in New Orleans. And so I, don't, I honestly don't know if that's a better option uh, than just uh, trust, putting your trust in Lattimore to win this matchup like he's done before. So I, I, I understand not making a change. If it were me, I probably would have tried it anyway, j- j- just to do something to try and slow that Vikings offense in crunch time. Um, but at the end of the day, I understand what, why uh, the, the Saints kind of stubbornly stuck to their game plan at that point. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, we've seen Justin Jefferson get locked up, right? Uh, Jeff Okuda of the Lions locked him up pretty good in week three. And Philly did a pretty good job against Jefferson, too. So maybe that's part of the reason for the stubbornness, John. Like, it's not like Jefferson always torches people, but... He got the Saints, unfortunately, in this one. Maybe some home cooking could save the Saints season, right, John? You kind of wrote about that, too. Home cooking. Let's get back home. Let's get freaking back in the States, right? Let's get back to New Orleans and play some football. A pretty bad Seahawks team coming to town here this week. So we'll get into that game here coming up next. But first, check out this advice from our pals over at the Bet Slippin' Podcast. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook provider, Tipico, out. All odds are provided by our friends at Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook is a global betting leader. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 plus. See the site for details. So, the Raiders and Chiefs have Monday night football. The Raiders are plus seven and are starting to figure things out offensively, rushing for over 200 yards against Denver. They have a couple elite offensive playmakers, and the Chiefs' opponent's completion percentage is the second worst in the league at just over 70%. In both games, the Chiefs have played outside of a two-score finish. No opposing rusher has had over 30 yards on their own. The Raiders should look much better and should be able to hold this within a touchdown. Give me Las Vegas plus seven. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we could use a little home cooking. As you're you're writing on Saints Wire, uh, for the next five games at home, so this is the time, right? This is the time if you're going to turn it around and go on a tear and get back in this thing. Uh, now's the time to win. Can't really afford to keep losing ball games. And the Saints are five and a half point favorites against the Seahawks on Tipico, John. Looking at this matchup, it's it's kind of a tough one. I never know how to gauge the Seahawks, so I'm interested to get your take on this game. 
The Seahawks, I mean, the Saints definitely have a better roster than Seattle. I think by a long shot. Most of all, the Seahawks just suck on defense. They're so bad on D. They're giving up 428 yards a game. <laughs> like giving up, I think the Lions scored like, what, 70 points last week on them, whatever it was. I know that's like oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was so bad. They're averaging, a, they're, they're allowing 100 more yards than the Saints are per game on defense. So if, if that tells you anything. So I'm, yeah, I, that, that is substantial. It's crazy. But I'm also worried that it could be another flag fest. I know the, the Saints get flagged all the time whether they're actually committing penalties or not, but they, they lead the league in penalty yards and the Seahawks are right behind them. So I'm, I'm expecting a weird game with a lot of flags and I just, I, I don't really know how to gauge this opponent, John. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, this is going to be a weird game. The, 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 the Seahawks always play weird games. They don't have a normal game. There's, there's always something crazy going on. Um, for example, last week they scored 48 points last week, helped by a defensive touchdown. That's more points than they scored in the first three games put together. They had 47 <laughs> through weeks one, two, one, two, and three, 48 points in week four. So I think the Lions man, were complicit in that, John. The Lions helped. Yeah, I suppose they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be messy. It's going to be kind of sloppy. Both, both teams are kind of prone to mistakes, uh, uh, shooting themselves in the foot a bit, as Alvin Kamara has said. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird one, but I, I think I do like the Saints in this matchup. They have beaten Geno Smith before. They have beaten the Seahawks team before. They, they beat this Geno Smith led Seahawks team in Seattle last year. So I, I think the Saints are gonna do well. Uh, to me, that you know I picked against them last week. This time I, I will pick them, and I think I think the Saints win this one, and I think they're gonna win by a touchdown. I, I just think they're they're too talented to keep skidding like this forever. In this this feels like the perfect opportunity for them to turn it around and go on a tear with four of their next five at home. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like the Saints are the better team. I think they need this game more, more desperate, right? They got to win this game. Uh, it is hard to pick them, though, with the injuries and the penalties and the turnovers and the some of the coaching decisions. They're just killing themselves week after week. It's hard to trust them, John, when you're putting your precious betting unit on them. But uh, yeah, I think... I just think they're a better football team than the Seahawks. I'm not going to overreact to all the points the Seahawks scored on the freaking Lions, as I said earlier. <laughs> Their defense is so freaking bad. So, yeah, hopefully Alvin Kamara can get back in the lineup and, uh, you know, the Saints can go out there and score some points, preferably early in the first half. That would help. Score a few points in the first half. Take some pressure off your freaking defense and go win a game at home. Get the crowd in it and do that thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to back up as well. I'm going to follow you on this one. I'm going to tail you on my, with my betting unit at five and a half. But I will tell you, man, this team is hard to trust. And uh, it would be nice for them to uh, become more, that make us feel a little bit more comfortable going forward by beating a bad team at home. You know what I'm saying? That would be very reassuring. I think if they are going to turn the season around, it has to start here. Because if, if you start out one and four, I just don't think that, I don't think there's any coming back from that. All right, that's John Sigler. Make sure you're checking him out on Saints Wire. Always great stuff on there. Um, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us again. Don't forget to hit to hit subscribe. That's how you can support the show and uh, tell your friends about it. And uh, John, have a great weekend, man. Enjoy some football, all right? Yeah, thanks, bud. You as well. Looking forward to it. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.